Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to the Revolutionary Podcast, where I'm here to help you find Jesus and follow him. Consistency is always key in anything, right? If you want to learn, if you want to grow, you want to, uh, you know, get healthier, you want to get better at anything, a sport, an instrument, your job, consistency is key. So mad, uh, mad love for everybody. You showed up today. It's consistent, right? Regardless of what your streak was before, you showed up today. And so that's a good one, right? And so now... That transformation is, is interesting because even for, for me, guys, when we look inside of his word and when we truly look and slow down, it's kind of hard not to be changed. And, and as we looked even at uh, the Lord's Prayer that we've been looking at for the last month and a half, I mean, my eyes have been um, just, tr- I've been changed just looking even more. I know some of you, we've had those talks and we're seeing things that we all know, we've heard and probably said a thousand times, but it looks and feels new. Right, And there's something more interesting there. So today we're going to kind of wrap things up. If you missed a little bit of the Lord's Prayer, you can kind of go back online, YouTube. You can uh, search us at TGC Familia, or you can just look my name up. You spell it the way it sounds, Tito Soto Longo. All right, and you can look it up and catch up that way. But uh, I wanted to uh, catch up on two things. Uh, There was this statement that we started at the beginning of the series, and it was this, that prayer is an expectation, not a suggestion. Some of you guys may remember this. Prayer is an expectation, not a suggestion suggestion. When Jesus was talking about, he says, when you pray. So again, God is expecting us. And guys, can we just even linger on that? We can stop and preach a whole sermon there. The fact that God summons us, the God of all creation summons us to speak and to say, pray to me. That alone is amazing. And I want you guys to understand that prayer is not an option. It's not a suggestion. It is an expectation. All right? I think it was R.C. Sproul's that I said at the beginning of the series that a non-Christian can pray. A non-Christian can pray, but, but true Christians, you know, you can't be a Christian and not pray. Okay? You can be a non-Christian and pray, but you can't be a true Christian and not pray. I mean, it, it's so important. The other thing I said was this one, and this is where I, I set this up a couple, uh, you know, almost two months ago. And now we're going to come back to this one word. Prayer is a privilege and a process. That last is the word that we're going to look at today. I said this a couple weeks ago at the beginning of the series, and now we're going to bookend it with that same word. Prayer is a privilege, guys. It shouldn't be a burden. It is a privilege. And hopefully at the end, as we've looked at the Lord's Prayer, you're like, wow, this is what it means to pray. Let's go. I, I totally have discounted it. But it is a process as well. There's a process, and we're going to review and double down on that process. And I know some people, they don't like to pray or they give up on praying because they feel like praying doesn't pay off, right? I pray, I pray, I pray, and God doesn't give me what I want. I do, I do, I do, and I'm still not getting it. It's almost like if you were, uh, you're looking at prayer like a slot machine at a casino, right? And you're just kind of putting in your coins, putting in your coins, and like, I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm not getting anything out of this. I give, and I don't get. I give, and God doesn't say. I know some of you have probably quit praying because you feel like this person, right? I'm not getting what I want. And I double back to what I said a couple uh, months ago. You're missing the point because the point of prayer is not just to put your prayer coins in the slot so that you can get a prize, okay? It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. In fact, I love what Warren Wearsby says. Look at this. I'm going to put the quote on so y'all can check it out. He says this, persistence, persistence in prayer, is not an attempt to change God's mind or his will, or I'm going to add, to get what you want. But it is to get ourselves to a place where he can trust us with the answer. Now, I'm going to just tweak that a little bit, not just so that we can get to a place so that he can bring us and transform us so that we can become all right, what we need to receive whatever answer that is. Do you see the difference there? I mean, what he's saying, we're not praying a certain way to get what we want or to change his mind. And uh, my father-in-law just said this yesterday. We were having an, uh, a discussion. And he says, everybody wants to make money. No one wants to work. Right? And, right? <laughs> I was like, I know. You're reminding me. I got to go to work tomorrow. I know. I, I need money. I know. Everybody wants money. No one wants to work. Everyone wants good grades. No one wants to study. Everybody wants God to answer their prayers, but no one wants it if the answer means you got to change. You see that? We do the same 
thing. And so when we look at this, guys, I want you to, I'm going to remind you something because, see, most pray for things to change, few pray to be changed, right? That's not what we want, it's what we need. And that is the thing that I want us to see. Why did Jesus say, pray in this way? Pray in this way. And as we've looked over the last couple of weeks, guys, Praying in this way is not the way that you and I naturally pray, right? The natural way that we pray is to pray self-centered prayers. Good morning, God. All right, here's my list for today. Bum, 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 run it, run it, run it, run it, run it, you know? But when he says don't pray that way, pray this way. And all of the prayers that we've been talking about are not self-centered. They're Christ-centered. And when we pray in this way, it changes us. It changes us. And then we begin to see that, wow, now, God is answering prayers a little differently. In fact, his word says, you don't get. God doesn't answer your prayers because you don't ask. That's the point. For some of you that stop praying, hey, you can't blame them at that point, right? You know, if you can't blame them. Some of y'all don't, don't get an answer because you don't pray. And then James says, and some of you, when you do pray, you pray selfishly, self-centeredly. God's not going to answer those. God doesn't want a bunch of spoiled little brats. He doesn't want spoiled little brats. He wants sons and daughters that are mature. And so that is the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer, here's the thing. It's actually discovered when we persevere in prayer. And that's why I encourage you. Well, for some of you, like, well, prayer doesn't pay off. Prayer doesn't pay off. First off, maybe your, your view of prayer is wrong. Because you only experience the benefit of prayer when you persist in it. And that's not my idea. That's Jesus. And so we're going to look. At these two places, we've been looking so far in Matthew 6, where we have the Lord's Prayer, Luke 11, where we have the Lord's Prayer as well. Both are two different times, two different um, instances. In Matthew, Jesus is giving it as part of a Sermon on the Mount, and this is his like epic sermon. I think it's said that most uh, the Jesus prayed, uh, not preached the Sermon on the Mount many different times. You know, it's not like today where you can catch the replay on YouTube or anything like that. So he would just kind of go around and kind of, this is what his greatest hits, you know, kind of a thing. That's the, the Sermon on the Mount. So he probably preached it verbatim, straight, very close, or it's a collection of his greatest hits that he would do multiple times. But he did do this on this mountain one time. And so that's Matthew 6. And Luke 11 is a conversation between a disciple sometime later when he wants a review lesson. Him like saying, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray again? And what's interesting is that in both places, the prayers are a little different. But here's the thing we're going to focus on today. They both end differently. The prayer in Matthew ends differently than the one in Luke. And I, and I want you guys to see this. Some of you all might be bothered, hopefully not, by the next statement I'm going to say. But can we put Matthew 13, uh, 6.13 up? So in, in the translation that we're reading from, which is a Christian standard Bible, okay, this one, it ends saying this way. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or from evil, period. But now, if you look, if you look at some of your Bibles, some of your translations may have, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Some of you may have that. Mine, if in mine, it has a little asterisk, and on the bottom it says, other translations say this, okay? Now look at that statement again. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And what's the word that we always end our prayers with? Amen. Some of you know this maybe, but most of you probably don't. The word amen is just a, a, a statement, it, which means true. It means so be it. That's what the word amen means. Some of you are like, oh, really? And I was like, yes. And don't you ever end your prayers with an a woman because amen has nothing to do with gender. Please don't be like that. Don't be that person. Don't be the person and end a woman, okay? No, all right? Just because it says men in there doesn't have anything to do with gender. But here's the thing. When you end your prayers, we've ended our prayers today. How many times? Amen, amen, amen. Some of you respond to sermons by saying what? I see it online. Y'all, that's the most popular word that people put on the group chat online. They put what? A-M-E-N, right? Amen. And all it means, it's like saying yes, like truth. Uh, you know, it's kind of like reinforcement, but it's also a so be it. So if you think about it, when you pray, when you pray and say amen, what you're praying is, Lord, whatever I've prayed in the end, so be it according to your will, according to your ways, I trust you. Isn't that interesting? I trust you. I trust you. And it should be a reminder that when you pray, how true are you when you pray to God? Are you your true self? Or are you trying to pretend? No, be true to him. And when you say amen, that's, that's the statement there. But here's the thing. You know why it's not in my translation in some of yours? I, I've been looking at some head nods and I say, nope, yep, I don't see it. 
Because that statement was not written in the earlier manuscripts that we find of Matthew. So a quick little super quick history lesson. The reason why you and I have a Bible and the way I have mine and you guys have yours is because for centuries and millenniums, really, we have had ancient documents that have been discovered and collected. And we can date and verify that these documents are very, very close to when the events took place. Unlike anything in human history, anything in ancient history, guys, we have literally, I love looking at this. The Bible is an ancient artifact. You are holding one of the most valuable things in the world that should be in a museum like our Constitution is under lock and key. And you and I have it sometimes, you know, thrown here in a backpack. And a good. I'm holding an ancient document. And what's cool about it, guys, is that here we have so many things to verify. That if you hear people saying, well, you can't trust the Bible because it was written, you know, for, you know like telephone and it's been changed so many times. And trans Listen, they don't know. They don't know. There's a lot of non-secular, and there's a lot of secular, non-Christian people who verify, yeah, listen, we got enough ancient documents to tell us this is what was originally written. And it was written within so close of the events happening that give us a lot of confidence. But then here's the thing. Why does some of your Bibles have that statement, for yours is the kingdom and the glory for now, forever, amen, and some don't? So it's not in the original means that it was added sometime later. Oh, see, there it is. You can't trust the Bible because they add an edit. They add an edit. They add an edit. Well, calm down, okay? Because we have enough early manuscripts from this time within 100 years that did have this statement. But the earliest, oldest ones did not. So that tells us this. Matthew, when he wrote his gospel, did not write those words. Matthew didn't write it. Someone else wrote them. But during the time of the apostles, within the 30, 40 years of it. So you know what's cool about that statement? First off, here's why it's left in so many translations. It doesn't contradict anything that we've already not said. I mean, when you hear, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, doesn't that echo the Lord's prayer already, right? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. May your name be honored as holy. So it kind of echoes it. And what's beautiful about this is that it actually gives us a glimpse. This is how the early church prayed. The church within the first 30, 40, 50 years of human existence, they prayed in this way, Lord, may yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever, amen. And you know what's nice about it is that if you include it, it actually ends the prayer back looking to God. Because what are the, th the three statements? Give us daily bread, forgive us, deliver us. But then, but for yours is the kingdom. And so now it lifts our heads one more time to look to him. So that's really, really cool. Right? That's really cool. So that's why it's in the Bible in some translations. It's written on the bottom. It's still valuable. It, it shows us how the early church prayed. And it harmonizes and echoes what the Lord's Prayer is and reminds us, don't forget who you're praying to. It's all about Him. Amen means, Lord, in the end, whatever I've prayed, so be it according to your will. So be it according to your ways. I trust you. What are those four words again? Amen. So it's pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. So it's not in the original, but it's a, but here's the thing. That's Luke. Matthew has an ending, but Luke has a different one. Notice, can we look at this one again? Look at Matthew. Look at the very end. You see how it says? I'm sorry, my bad. Can you go to the other one? Look at the end of how Ma Jesus ends this. He says, do not bring us into temptation. Can we all read that last one together online? Maybe you could type it. Say, but deliver us from the evil one. Notice there's in Matthew. Now look at Luke. And I'm sorry, you're going to have to do split because it's not there. Um, I didn't put the slide. That's not there. When Jesus is teaching, when Jesus is teaching, make sure you have the split so you can see me. Check this out online. Look at this. Because there's something interesting here. When Jesus is teaching the, the disciples, one of them shows up. And, and you can almost see it. They were all like, listen, you, you, you talk to him. No, man, you talk to him. No, you, you, you do it. And so I know I used to do this with me and my brother when I wanted something from my parents. Right? Was there that argument? I'm like saying, who's going to tell them? Right? You do it. No, I'm not going to do it. You do it. Right? And so you ever had one of those conversations before? Right? Who's going to tell mom? I don't know. You do it. And so I, I, that's kind of what's happening. And one of the apostles, one of the disciples stands up and says, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? Almost again. I mean, he's already done this. And so there's an interesting thing. This is where I, I believe Jesus ends this prayer differently because it hits to the point because I'm asking myself, why are these disciples asking Jesus to repeat himself again? I mean, he hasn't said anything new. I'm sure, all right, they've asked this question and he brings the same answer. 
But Jesus doesn't. He answers or ends the question with a question. I mean, that's total Jesus. Some of you guys that talk to me, that must be annoying, right? You ask me a question, and I end up, I leave you with a question. You're like, just tell me the answer. I was like, that is the answer. But it's not a question. Anyways, so, so sometimes, listen, Jesus is the ultimate teacher. And he always asks and leaves you with a question to linger. That's how you learn. And so when he's teaching them, saying, you know, uh, deliver, no, what do you say? Lead me not into temptation. And he does, and period. Luke eleven four is a period. He does not say, and deliver us from the evil one. Why? Because instead of finishing the prayer, instead of saying, deliver us from the evil one, he now launches into a story about deliverance. And some of you have probably read the story and you've read it disconnected. But when you read it in light of what he just said, it actually helps you understand the point he was trying to make. So now let's put Luke. Okay, so now Luke 15. Notice at the very first in verse 8, what does he say? He also said to them, what is he also saying? He's teaching them how to pray. And so instead of launching into and deliver us, he also, now he, he stops his prayer and launches into a lesson and by telling this analogy. We're going to read the whole thing together. So check this out. He says, he also said to them, okay, suppose if one of you, one of you all, his disciples, has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then Jesus saying, then he will answer from the inside and say, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend on the outsides, shameless boldness in his knocking and persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil, man, look at a stinger there. If you who are evil, you're not perfect. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And notice his question. I want you to linger on the question, everybody. Look, do you see? The question teaches how to pray. He ends it, he answers their question with a question. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And Jesus ends the lesson and they move on to the next day. He's like, I knew he was going to ask us the question. I knew he wasn't going to give it, just say it plainly. He was going to ask us a question. He did it. Now, why? Now, let's look at this one, guys. First off, look at the recap. Anyone familiar online? Let me know if you heard that verse before. Some of you guys, maybe that's the first time, but head nods. Yes or no? You've seen it? Did you ever read it connected to the Lord's Prayer? It's a lesson about praying. It's all connected. It's part of it. And so let's kind of do a little recap. So the first thing we saw was a midnight emergency, right? We all caught that. Anybody ever here been to the emergency room at midnight? Yes or no? We've all had those. Parents, you've had a kid, you had to take them? Yes or no? Anybody had to? I've had a few. My kids have had one, right? Isabella, you ever had to go to one? Midnight, you ever go to the emergency room? I've had a few. And so what is this? So we have a midnight emergency. And what is the midnight emergency? right? This guy is showing up and he's right knocking at the door of somebody's house. And I see, yo, I had this dude. I wasn't expecting him. He showed up. I got nothing. Can you help me? Right? That is what's happening. He has, he's a friend in need. This man, and remember they're buddies. You guys caught that, right? The one who's knocking and the one who's responding from the bed, they're buddies, they're boys, they're friends. They know each other. And so here, this guy has a friend, a friend of a friend, and he needs, I need something, I need bread, I need bread. Here's something, guys, you got to understand about, uh, I mean, it's almost any culture, but especially uh, Middle Eastern culture, man, they'll still to this day, they're big on this. They're big on hospitality, all right? Anybody here, do you love it when people come over? Anybody like hosting? It's online, let us know, let me know. Do you guys like hosting, yes or no? 
Yes, right? And maybe you're like, not anymore, right? The older that I've got, the less people I want to be around, right? And so I get it. I get it. I get it. And so the thing is, guys, uh, you know, culturally even more, like we all like to be isolated. Like, I mean, I remember, I mean, when I was really young, I, it, it, it wasn't a shocking thing when somebody was, you know, Right, ringing the doorbell. I'm like, oh, when I was with my grandparents, it was different. When I used to spend the summers at both my grandmama's houses, they lived here in Tampa. Every time I was there, like somebody is showing up. And then I'm like, oh, who's here today? Who's here? And it was all me. It was a cousin. It was a neighbor. I mean, you didn't have to call. It just showed up. There was always somebody coming over. And my grandmas always had something. They had the coffee ready to go. They had some desserts. I mean, they were good. And then the older that I got, now when somebody, I don't know if you do this, when, when people ring the doorbell, who panics? Right? Who panics when the doorbell rings? Anybody? I'm like, is that, is that, did you Uber something? Is that Amazon? Like, the, that's probably maybe your first two. Uber or Amazon, maybe your first two. Who's here? Who's here? Now you're freaking out. And I know I've done this, right? The kid, when some kid comes from outside, who's that? Shh, be quiet. You know, I was like, no, don't, don't say anything. Don't look. Stop it. I gotta hear it. Right? I've done that. Right? I've done those things because I don't know. It's just something like, hmm, I don't know. It's just weird now, like with company. I've done that. We've all done that. And so um, here's the thing in ancient cultures, they were big on hospitality, huge still to this day. It was shameful to deny anyone anything. If somebody came over, oh, you bring them in. If somebody came, I mean, huge deal. This is why uh, Jesus. By the way, when he was, um, Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem, right? There was no room in the inn, right? We know the Christmas stories. By the way, you know that there was no inns. There was no hotel, motel sixes, holiday inns. It wasn't like that. It was everybody's houses. You went to your relative's home. Joseph was turned away by by a relative. He was turned away by a relative. Not just some random stranger. He was turned away by a relative, maybe because the room was too full. There was too many people. There was no room. Or the assumption is, hey, you're bringing around a girl that's your wife, but you haven't fully done everything you need to do for the marriage, and she's pregnant. That's shameful. I don't know. There's a lot of different things there. But even then, the the barn was a good place, guys. I want you to know that. This wasn't, you know, it was a decent spot. But we're back to the hospitality thing. And so here we are, and this is a big deal. And for the Jews, the Jewish culture, for the first person to be knocking was expected. But here's the thing about this. The guy who's knocking is ashamed because what's the problem? His friend showed up, and what does he not have? Right? What does he not have? He doesn't have bread. And so listen, that is shameful for a Jewish man in this culture. I mean, that was, oh my gosh, how, he didn't have anything? Nothing? I mean, for this man to be knocking on a friend's door is him confessing something shameful to a friend. Listen, man, my, my God, he just showed up. I got nothing. I got nothing, guys. That is a, that's a lot for a Jewish man to admit this. He failed He failed, and it's shameful. And if he doesn't have anything, he brings shame upon his family. He brings shame upon himself. So he's asking a friend. But then what is the friend's initial reaction after the midnight emergency? Um, This guy gets a bad rap, doesn't he? Who read this already? I'm like, dude, what a jerk. I mean, who read that? And you already imposed. You, you already prejudged the man, right? Man, this guy's a jerk. Some of you all got to repent because you got to understand why he the issue. Guys, they lived during a time where the majority of people lived in one room. Okay? So if you had kids, you were sleeping in the same room with mom and dad. Some of you have done that. You know what it's like. But remember, these are houses were small. And so when they all lived, they all lived there. And so for the man to get up, remember, it's midnight. Everyone's a sleep. Everyone's asleep. So he's hearing the knocking. I'm like, if I get up, I have to inconvenience. I have to wake up these kids because they're all in the way. I'm going to step on one of them. And so buddy, come on, man, it's midnight. I can't get to you. Not because he was a jerk. It was because he had to be inconvenienced and he had inconvenienced the whole house. Why? Johnny over here wasn't ready. You know, when he showed up, that's embarrassing. And listen, and he the friend, you could assume, I think rightfully, that the, the friend was embarrassed. He didn't want to wake up and then, and then his friend, now the family knows that his friend had failed. He's kind of protecting the guy's integrity to a little bit. But he has like, bro, you got me in a pickle here, man. What am I going to do? I can't do this. I can't do this. But then we have the what? The constant shameless bold, boldness, right? I mean, you can look at this image here. This, I mean, the dude wasn't giving up. I mean, the, Jesus said because of the man's shameless knocking, he constant, continually knocking, 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 knocking. Because of his shameless boldness, Jesus says. Why was he so bold? 
to admit I need help. I have failed. I have not managed my household. But the fact that it was shameless too. The friend, he said, the friend will get up and give him what? Everything that he needs. Why? Because he's his friend. He's his friend like saying, listen, all right, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to, and look, that says a lot about this father who had so much that he can give bread to this man and have plenty left over. That's the model. That's a great thing there. And so because of his shameless boldness, this friend supplied the need. And, and I love even this, guys. You know why the father answered in the room? Do you know why that father answered? He answered for his name's sake. He answered for his name. He had no choice. Because listen, remember, what did I say? The first guy who's doing the knocking, he's ashamed. Why? Because he can't host a friend. He has failed. He can't host a friend. But you know what would happen if the father inside doesn't get up and supply the need of his friend? He would bring shame upon his family now because a friend came in a time of need. And remember hospitality, if you're knocking, you're going, you, you respond and you give and do what you need to do. So now the shame of the first friend would dump on the last friend. And now he would have to deal with this on not, you know, he could not help a brother, a friend in need. So the father, Jesus is saying because of his shameless boldness, the father will get up and to answer the need of his friends for his name's sake. And now he launches into, talks about friends. And now who does he talk about? He talks about a father who's a friend, but then he talks about the heavenly father, right? And there is an important thing there because in the same way, now he's talking about God answering prayers. Why does God answer prayers the certain way, guys? We've said this a couple weeks ago. For his name's sake. The Father, our Heavenly Father, will always answer prayers according to our needs in Christ Jesus for his name's sake. And it speaks of a good father. That's why here Jesus is arguing, guys, check this out, from the lesser to the greater. He's arguing from two friends to now children of God praying to God. And then he's arguing from the lesser to the greater too. When he talks about if you ask for a fish, right, you're not going to give him a scorpion. Or if he asked for an egg, you're not going to get him a rock. I know some, we have some parents in the house that you love to torture your kids on, on purpose, right? You, you know, I, I love watching the, you know, the TikToks and when people do pranks on each other, right? That's a little, that's a little different, okay? Here, we're talking about a, a, a parent, right? If a kid is asking for a fish, what parent is going to say, here, eat a scorpion, deal with that? No one's going to do that. And if he says, look, I'm hungry, give me an egg. Here, eh, stone, have fun, use your imagination, pretend. You know, no, no parent would, no true good parent would do that. And so he's arguing from, from the, the, the lesser, from the greater, and showing, hey, if, if your son wants to uh, need something, he needs your help, right? He's arguing from something that is helpful to something that is harmful. Why is he doing these things? Because he's trying to remind them, hey, I know you're, remember, the whole thing was launched by a question. Teach us how to pray, right? That's what the, the, this whole lesson in Luke was all on this. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus ends the prayer reminding them, listen, remember who you're praying to. Remember? Not just teach us how to pray, but he's reminding them who you are praying to. Who is he, guys? He is our heavenly father. And if, and if a Jewish man in this context would do these things for his name's sake, how much more will God do and respond to his children for his name's sake? It's the same thing. And so if you think about it, guys, the Lord's prayer, each one of the petitions shows us an image of who God is, right? Our heavenly father, right? And look at all the adjectives that we see. Heavenly Father, may your name be honored as holy. So who is our Father that we pray to, guys? He is a holy God. You see this? Who is the prayer? Who is, who is our Father that we're knocking when we pray? When we're knocking and asking, who is he? He is a holy God. When we say, Lord, your kingdom come, who else is our Father? He's a king. He is a holy king. When we pray and say, Lord, may your will be done, not ours. You know what we're saying? You are a wise and holy king. When you pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. You know, where you're, you know why you're doing that? Because you understand his nature. He is a gracious and wise and holy king. 
When you pray, forgive us of our sins as we forgive others, you are praying because you know his nature. He is a merciful, gracious, wise, holy king. And the last one was what, right? Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why? Because you are recognizing that this merciful, gracious, wise, holy king is also your deliverer. Do you see that every single one of those prayers are actually rooted in the nature of God? You're reflecting on different elements of who he is. And so each one of those, you can just linger and and marinate in each one of those things and just reflect on who is the God you're talking to. And that's what, that's the point. I mean, listen, if Jesus is ending his lesson on prayer with this story, it's because this is the, probably the disciples' main problem, which becomes ours. You and I have a tendency to forget who we're talking to. We forget who he is. We forget who he is. And I think the disciples were getting caught up on more of the, I think we're doing it wrong. I I think we're doing it wrong. There has to be something. You know, we see Jesus praying and he gets different results. And I don't know, man, you you tell him. No, I'm not going to tell him, bro. No, you tell him. No, man, I'm going to look stupid. You tell him. You know, I I, I guarantee you that's what it was. But they they were getting so caught up in what and how to pray. They were forgetting who they were praying to. And that's the story right here. That is the story. This is a story of that knocking is about praying. It's a, it's a lesson about, by the way, it also answers the question, how do we pray? He gives them a story on how do we pray. And now, did you catch the different levels of urgency? He said this. Let me read it to you. He says, ask, knock. No, I missed one. Uh, ask, seek, and knock, right? So he says this. I tell you, right? If you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you will knock. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. Guys, you see all those are different levels of urgency on prayers. Asking is the lowest one. Hey, I got a, I got a question to ask. Seeking is, okay, I got to look for that answer. Knocking is, help me. Okay, that one's a little different because how is this guy knocking? This guy is knocking because he needs help. And guys, these are all, look, these are all different kind of prayers. All different kind of prayers. We got our just general prayers. Lord, I have a question. What do you mean about this? And then seeking implies, man, Lord, I, I got to make a decision about this. Or I really got to process this. Lord, can you help me get to that? And then knocking are those prayers that you and I, it's easy, right? It's easy to pray to God when you're in an emergency, right? That's the one you run to. That's the knocking. But so the, here we saw, did the father answer? The inside father, did he answer the emergency prayer of his friend? He did. So in the same way that our heavenly father will answer our midnight emergency prayers when we run to him in in those moments. But the point is, are you only praying when you got a problem? You see that? God is saying, if you got a problem, come to me. If you got a problem, it's okay. Knock all day. If you got a problem, it's okay. Knock all day. But are we asking him? Are we including him? In throughout the day, in the little things, all of these are important. But then, what did Jesus, what did God say at the very very end there? Jesus was saying, if you ask, God will give you the what? Holy Spirit. He says, will not, if you're, if, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit? To those who ask, where in the Lord's prayer have we talked about? Ask God for the Holy Spirit. Nowhere. So what is he talking about? Now, here's the thing, guys. This verse, a lot of times, this gets read in separation of the other one. And over the last 50, 60 years, we've imposed a lot into this text. See, you see here, Christians, you got to pray for the Holy Spirit for this. And you got to pray for this. And you got to pray for that. Is that what Jesus was trying to say here? I'm not saying that that's not the case, but is that the point he was making? And we lose sight of something super cool, guys. Because here, Jews knew this. You and I maybe don't. But the Jews that he's talking to, the only time that they heard God giving them the Spirit was in the Old Testament, and it only fell on sometimes one person at a time. It was a a prophet, or it was a king. It was a certain person that God would use in a certain time to do something significant, and then the Spirit would never linger, and it would leave. And here, God is telling a a soon-to-be new covenant people, if you, anyone, asks for the Holy Spirit, you're going to get it. That was shocking for them. Like, wait, what? Like anyone now? 
anyone. And when you hear the Holy Spirit, guys, in the context of Christ, every time the Old Testament, there was prophecy after prophecy and says one day and one day, speaking of the day Jesus would die on the cross and raise from the dead. He was saying, one day I will give them my spirit. I will pour my spirit upon them. As Joel says it, Jeremiah says it, Isaiah, all of them. And every time in the Old Testament, God would give the Holy Spirit. It was always tied to eternal life. It was, tie, it was tied to the gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of our sins. And so here Jesus is saying, if anyone, if you ask for, if you ask of the, for the Holy Spirit, God will give all who call on his name. For if you call on his name and confess Christ is Lord, you will be saved. This is not talking about pray for, you know, now we're supposed to pray that the you know, Holy Spirit empowers us and we live according to the truth. And yes, we're supposed to pray those things. But here he is reminding again, this is actually more about the Father than the Holy Spirit. Because he's saying, if you just ask the Father, he will give you the Holy Spirit. Guys, what's so shocking about this is that you know what God wants to give you? Some of you aren't going to like that answer. So I'm just prepping you. So you can maintain a disappointed face if you have one already. Ready? The Holy Spirit is him. You know what God's ultimate answer to all of his prayers are? Him. He wants to give him, he wants to give us himself. Nah, man, I don't need that. I need a raise. I was like, listen, like, no, nah, I don't need that. Dude, you know, I need a wife. I got to wife somebody up. You know, that's what I need right now. It's like, hey, you know, I, I need a job. I need a this. I need a that. Here is God saying, I want to give you me. I want to give you me. I want you to know me. I want you. I'm going to not, you know, give you even, I'm not just going to confront you. No, I'm going to give you my spirit where I can dwell with you forever. And so this was an amazing statement. Actually, it's less on the Holy Spirit. And we lose the Father in this whole conversation. Because again, the lesson is back to who is your Father. All right? Who is your father? All right? This is, I'm dating myself. You know, I turned 40 the other day. I'm dating myself when I was a kid. I watched Kindergarten Cop and Arnold Schwarzenegger had an ultimate, you know, he was like, who is your daddy and what does he do? That was a stupid question from that movie. Some of you may know it. Who is your daddy and what does he do? You got to remember when you pray, who is your heavenly father and what does he do? He wants to, he loves his kids and wants to answer all of these prayers according to those things. But you and I need to ask. Guys, here's the thing. When you understand this, now verses like what Paul says over and over again. He says, and God wants to supply your needs according to the riches of his glory. In Romans, he talks about how God wants to pour himself out according to the riches of his grace. The riches of his glory. The riches that are in Christ. In Ephesians, he says this. Out of the riches of his mercy, he does this. God is rich. Don't forget this. Remember, who's the father on the inside of that story? That father on the, on the inside had enough bread to be able to, yo, take what you want. I got plenty. This father was rich. And our heavenly father is rich. But guys, here's the thing, guys. God, you cannot experience the riches of his glory if you are not seeking, knocking, praying for him. Guys, it's all there. It goes untouched. Now, some of you, all right, this is, this is crazy. Um, I got this is a good reminder as well for some of you. Do you guys know? Let me do the first thing. This is crazy. And then the reminder. Do you know that there, there exists th around, last time I checked, $3.6 billion. Listen to this. $3.6 billion in Pell Grants available for students. To, you can go to school for free. And this is reserved for low-income students. And you know why $3.6 billion exists in the U.S. government budget? Because people who are poor are not filling out their FAFSA. If all they did was fill out a little online document that takes maybe, let's put it, 15 minutes, you got access to money that you can get a college education when you don't have it. So some of you, they got 18-year-olds, I'm like, we're doing FAFSA tonight, right? And so you know this. I'm like, did you do your FAFSA? You ain't going to bed until you do your FAFSA, right? Listen. There's a lot of money, but here's the thing. You, they, the government can't give it to poor people that would need this education. You know why they can't give it? Because they're not asking for it. Do you see it? They, they can't get it because they're not asking for it. All they have to do is fill out a little, bro, you can do it on your phone. You can do it on your phone. They don't get it. And the other thing, you know, taxes. Some of you, I don't know if you've done your taxes yet. Some of you, I was like, oh, man, I knew it. See, there's a reminder, all right? Do your taxes if you haven't paid your taxes. Do you know, that last time I checked, as of since 2018, $1.5 billion is actually there in tax refunds that have not been issued because some people haven't filled out their taxes since 2018. 
1.5 billion. Guys, that's my, that's your money. Some of you. I went, really? I was like, but okay, dude. Don't pay the law. Just do it. Listen, there's money that poor, and if you're getting a refund, it's because you didn't make that much. Guys, that's a lot of people who are poor and are more richer than they understand. But here's the thing. They're not doing, they're not asking Uncle Sam. They're not filling out the things to get money that is theirs. Guys, our God wants to supply our, our needs according to what? The riches of his glory. And God has enough to take care of his kids. And no, we're not talking about, yes, so now I can ask because I needed that new addition to the house. Chill out. That's not the, it's, it's the spiritual riches, guys, so calm down. But again, when God meets your spiritual needs, he can also meet financial needs according to his will, not so much your wants. But again, do you see what I'm talking about here? This guy had enough. But if the friend would have been, no, I'm too ashamed to ask. I think this is the point. This is the point of the story. I think why Jesus is, why bring up the story and end his lesson on prayer short to say this. If the friend would have been too ashamed to ask his other friend, his needs would not have been met. Because of what? Shame. But what did Jesus say? Because of this man's shameless boldness. He knew, I'm going to confess to you, bro. I, I dropped the ball. I fumbled. But I'm confessing this to my friend. I know that you're not going to now blab, you know, blab this whole thing out. I confess this to my friend. I need your help. Guys, that's all Jesus is saying. When you come to the Father, that is all we are called to do. It's about this. And here's, if you're taking notes, just remember this. Um, when, well, I haven't gotten to actually this, when persistence pays off. But this is an, an element of when persistence pays off. This guy is knocking, 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 persistently, persistently. And the Father on the inside answers according to his needs. This is a little bit, we see this glimpse in Second Corinthians, where Paul is praying and he's writing to the church and says, listen, the devil, God himself sent a messenger of Satan to me, to torment me. Some of you, I mean, like, God does that? <laughs> I was like, God does that? I was like, I knew, I knew that neighbor wasn't just, no wonder, you know? I know. I was like, oh, like everything makes sense. You know, God has sent an angel of death to come and, ha and harass me every day at work. That's that customer that shows up every time right before we're closing. I know. All right, whatever. Listen, I, I used to do that. Oh, this, this guy, every time, two minutes to close, always would show up and order a beef and cheese and three chocolate chip cookies every time. Okay. Anyways, those are my Schlotsky's days. All right. Um, back to this. So here, Paul is saying, I had an angel, an, 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 a, a tormentor, an, a messenger of Satan tormenting me. And it's, it's believed that it was a physical ailment. Like this was something bad. And he says three times, three times, three times I prayed to God and say, can you take this away from me? Because Paul knew, wait a minute, I haven't sinned to deserve this. And it's another thing I was saying, and he knew God sent it. And I'm like, that's another thing. Listen, can we talk? I'm like, are you, are you okay today? Like, what's going on? Are we good? You know, but he knew. It's like, God, take this away. Take this away. Three times he asked. He was persistent in the praying. And then God finally answers after the third time, and he tells him, no. No. And he actually responds. I'll just read it to you. We don't have it on the screen. But he, he responds this in, in 12, uh, 17 and 10. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, um, he says, when he says, do this, do this, do this, and he didn't. And then he says, listen, I want you to know that my grace is sufficient for you. And prior to this, guys, Paul had experienced, uh, he went to, God took him up, went to heaven. I'm telling you now, if anybody writes books, they have a talk with you. I'm saying, God took me up to heaven. I take regular trips to heaven. There's a lot of people that write those books, say those things that they take, literally, like they hop in spiritual Ubers, right? And they go to heaven all, all day and come back. Listen, red flag on the play, red flag on the play. Ignore those. I'm telling you now, ignore those people. Be safe. So, but see, Paul experienced one. And here's why I tell you, ignore those people, guys, because there's a lot of like high profile preachers. I'll name names later if you want to know. And so they hype these people up. And you know why? There's something different between the modern day people who take all these trips to heaven all the time. They got this VIP access and they come down and they tell all their stories that I know of. Last time I checked, two people in the Bible in the, old, in the New Testament went to heaven, Paul and John. Paul, I went to heaven. Never once does Paul say what he saw. In fact, he was told not to. He was, and then John, he's in the book, of, he's seen Revelation. And he's the one that saw the book of Revelation. And John says, and the spirit lifted me up and I saw certain things. But those things he said, I just want you to see it, but don't say anything. You can see it, but you don't say anything. And I refuse to say. So 
if Paul and John could go to heaven and were barred from saying anything, but you want to run your mouth on how you were dealing with all the, you know, unicorns and all this other nonsense, and you were, you know, breaking bread with his. I literally heard somebody say, there's a place in heaven when you can go and become a cartoon and play out fantasies. Wow. Okay. Whatever drugs are on must be good. Okay. Because geez. So I'm telling you, if Paul and John weren't allowed to say what they saw when they went to heaven, what makes you think you can sell a book and become a bestseller on that same story? Flag on the play. But anyways, I digress. That's a little side note for some of y'all just to help you. But here's the thing. See, Paul, the very thing, God sent this to him because Paul had an issue with pride. No, you're good. Paul had an issue, listen guys, with pride. And God, out of his mercy, sent him. But I was like, wait, but Luke just said, and Jesus was just saying, who, if, the, if a child would ask for a fish, would give him a scorpion? God, Paul is asking for relief and you are sending him pain? That doesn't make sense. But Paul, but God says, listen, Paul, I know you deal with pride. And so I need you to deal with this because it's actually, it's like one of those things as a parent, I've done this. You guys have done this. This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. You ever said one of those things before? I said, have you heard one of those as a kid? This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. You liar. <laughs> listen, it's going to hurt me. And this was one of those like saying, Paul, I'm doing this for you so that you don't succumb to pride. And so then Paul says, well, Lord, if that's what's going to keep me guarded and keep me from you and keep, then so be it. Then amen. I will boast in my weakness and I will rely on you. My grace is sufficient. Like believing in God, Lord, your grace is sufficient for me. And so what if guys, a lot of the things that we complain about, what if there's things that God, that, that we complain about too much that, and God doesn't remove it because instead of removing it, he wants to use it to renew you. I don't know this. I don't know what it could be. But what if there's certain things that you want God to remove, but he allows it because that's the only way that you can be renewed. Now, it's only between you and him to figure that out. But that's an important thing, guys. Again, but we see, what did we see with Paul? He prayed how many times did I say? Three. That speaks of persistence, continual knocking. Help me. And the father answered him. And the father gave Paul what he needed. And what did he need? The assurance. My grace is sufficient for you. He gave him bread. You see that? Our Heavenly Father gave Paul daily bread to know my grace is sufficient for you to endure even this. The Father didn't deny him. The Father gave him bread. The Father, our Heavenly Father gave Paul bread. And guys, that happens the same way with us. And this is why the Lord's Prayer is so important. In fact, by the way, I don't know if you noticed the Trinity inside of the Lord's Prayer. Do you catch it? Our Heavenly Father, your name be honored as holy. There's the Father. May your kingdom come. Who's that? Jesus. And may your will be done. And his will is received, is revealed in the word of God, the inspired Holy Spirit inspired word of God. There's the Trinity inside of that. But we've also seen how the prayer is linear, right? How is his name honored as holy when his kingdom comes into our lives in a relationship? And how is that relationship expanded and grown? And when you desire his will versus your own, how will you know the will of God when you ask for daily bread and he will reveal it to you? And when that daily bread will show you the areas in which you need forgiveness and the other areas in which you need deliverance, right? So you see that the prayer is linear, but it's also a loop. It's a loop prayer because when you pray, deliver me, why? Because you want to continue to honor his name as holy. Deliver me so that your kingdom may continue to expand in my life and around me. Deliver me so that I can know your will and walk in your will. Deliver me so that I can have more of that daily bread and keep forgiving me when I mess up and deliver me. It's a loop. It's a loop there once again. But here's then the other one. If you're taking a note, here's a, another thing here. In both cases in Matthew and in Luke, Jesus does not give a way on how to end your prayers. You think about that? Now, remember in Matthew, this is why I brought up Matthew. When did that story, and for yours is the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Who said that? Let me say it better. Who didn't say that? Jesus didn't say it. It's not in the original. This is how the church would pray. Jesus never taught us how to end our prayers. Can you think of why? Why did Jesus never teach his disciples how to end their prayers? Because we're not supposed to stop. You see that? Jesus never teaches us how to end our prayers because we're supposed to keep 
praying. No wonder Paul says, pray without ceasing. Continue to pray. Continue. Now, I'm not saying you can't say amen because it's like hanging up on God. Okay? If you say amen, oh, wait, you got to call him back again. My bad. I forgot. You know? Listen, you can still say your amens, but think of amen not as a, like, a break, but think of it as just a praise. You're not pausing your prayer. You're just praising him. Amen is a praise. It's not an end. You don't hang up on him when... Amen. Now we're done. Now I move on. No, amen is a pause for to praise him and saying, God, I trust you. I know you are. So be it according to your will, according to your way. Jesus doesn't give us a way to end our prayers. And I think that's a little bit of what the point is. Like saying, teach us how to pray again. No, no. Okay. How do you pray? First off, know who your daddy is. So ask whenever. Don't stop. If you ask, seek and knock, keep, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then there's also one other thing that we see in the story here of how we are called to pray. But it reveals this, if you're, I think it's one of the last things you're taking notes on is this, guys. Remember, what did I say at the beginning? I'm going to repeat it. Prayer is a process that pays off. Prayer is a process that pays off when you persist in it. You see what I'm saying? Why does Jesus not give us a way to end our prayers? Because we're supposed to be persistent in our prayers. You hear me? We're supposed to persist in our prayers. Persist. And when we persist in our prayers, it pays off. You know why it pays off? Because it changes us. The more we persist in our prayers, it changes us. So, for example, I, I got this little science. So, so I, I got you, Calvin. Uh, you know, you can come up and give me some details later. But all right, can we put the physical, um, spiritual, not the, the what did I say? Chemical and physical changes. All right, look at this, guys. Check this out. Do you guys know that a process is something in which things are changed? All right. Here in science, we have things called physical changes and chemical changes. A physical change is water, like an ice cube that melts, right? It just changed its physical form, but it's still water. Whether if it's steam, a solid, or a liquid, it's still water. Y'all tracking? Y'all tracking? Y'all tracking? All right. Look at wood. If you, got a, if you have a log of wood and you cut it, you change the physical property of the wood, but it's still wood. It's in pieces, but it's still wood. You see that? You can still kind of maybe glue them back together and reconstruct it. You can take liquid and turn it back into ice. It's still those things. But a chemical change is different. A chemical process is in which the water is now, it's no longer water. Like, you, you know, you can't, uh, it, the, the molecular level has changed. Look at the, the wood. If you can chop up wood all day long, but once you burn it, can you ever take ashes and reconstruct the log again? Why? Because it didn't change physically, it changed chemically. All right, so now you can come up here. So online, let's listen to this. When you pray, remember what I say? Prayer is a process. And it is a process in which you and I are to change spiritually. But here's the cool thing about this process, is in that in the process, you and I are, should be changed spiritually to the point that we reflect Christ more and more and more. But you know what's beautiful about this is the more that we reflect Christ, it doesn't change our physical nature. We still remain human. We are to reflect a holy God while remaining human. We don't become another God. We became human in reflecting God. That is the process that we are called to go into, but it must continue. We must persevere in it. And I love this quote of perseverance. Have you ever heard of uh, Spurgeon? He says this, by perseverance... The snail reached the ark. You ever heard of that one before? Beautiful quote. Look at that. By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. How long did it take that snail to obey the voice of the father to be able to go to the ark? Took him a while, but he got there by perseverance. Well, guys, in the same way that Spurgeon would say, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. By perseverance, in prayer, a Christian matures into Christ. By persevering in prayer, taking time to pray. But why? Why do we stop? And this is my, now I'm going to tell you, this is my guess, but my, as much educated guess as possible, because why does Jesus, guys, please hang in there with me. Look at this. Why does Jesus, in a lesson on how to pray, why throw this story? Because the story was the problem that they had. Why give this story? Why not just say, listen, guys, one more time. Deliver us from evil, yada, yada, yada. You got it? Cool. All right, I'm out. Why does he add this story? Because I believe the story reveals the problem that they had. They had a problem with prayer. They forgot who their father was. They forgot who their father was. And they stopped asking why. I wonder if some of those disciples were struggling with shame. 
Because Jesus brings up shameless prayer. Do you know what's one of the reasons why I've struggled and I will pause? And this, this caused a lot of people to stop praying. One of it is because they feel like, well, God's not giving me what I want. You know another reason why some people don't want to pray? <sighs> I don't want to ask God to forgive me again for that same thing. I, I don't know why I keep doing it. I don't know why I still go back to the same thing. I don't. I can't ask him to forgive me again. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve his mercy. I know that if I knock, he's going to answer, and I just won't because of shame. And what does Jesus say? If you ask, ask and you'll find. Seek, you'll find. Knock and it will be answered. Here's the thing, guys. Your heavenly father knows the one on the inside, you know, knows the situation, but your father knows. He knows you. And he, in, the, in essence, the story, when Jesus is saying, why would you stop running to Christ? Why would you, guys, you need to be able to run to Jesus every, the way you should look is the way Tom Cruise looks in all of his movies. You ever seen Tom Cruise? He's running in every movie. It doesn't matter what he's doing from the 80s, 90s, 2000s. All Tom Cruise does is run, all right? His cardio is immaculate, okay? I mean, that's all he does. Tom Cruise runs and runs in every movie he's in, all right? All of it. This is what you should do when you fall and when you are ashamed and shame is on you. You run to the one who can remove your shame. You run to Christ. If you knock, it will, it will be open and he will supply all of your spiritual needs according to his riches. Do you see that? So I wonder if they were, well, teach us how to pray. Don't stop praying. Keep running to your father. No matter the, whatever the shame is, he knows and he is gracious. Remember, he's wise. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's your king. Run to him every single time. Don't let your shame hold you back because Jesus said it. The man's shameless prayer because of his shameless boldness. Some of you guys be bold and recognize, God, I did it. Again, I'm still struggling. I, I trying to, what is it? I don't know. But here I am. I need you. And he will answer that. Not only that, guys, but remember, some of you should run for yourself. But you know what's also good about the friend? The friend went running for the sake of his other friend. How many times, run to the, how many times do you run to the throne of grace because you have a friend who's in need? And you pray on their behalf. If you have kids, you should be running to the great, the throne of God to pray for your kids. If you have friends and parents, you should be running not just for you, but for them as well. That is the story there. And I want to read, and this is where we're going to end here with the image of, as we've been talking about how do you pray, this is how you pray with shameless boldness because of who your God is. In fact, I can't say it better than D.L. Moody, so I'm going to put this quote up here. Look what he says. Some people think God does not like to be troubled with constant comings and asking. The way to trouble God is not to ask at all. Please hear that one for me right now. Please hear that one. Please look at those words. Oh, that, you, you, that didn't work. All right, so it's okay. I'll read it to you again. Some people think God does not like to be troubled. He does not like to be troubled. The only way to trouble God is not to come at all. It's not to come at all. And I think that's the point of why Jesus is trying to communicate. And like saying, you're not bothering God. Remember, the father was bothered. Oh, I got to get up. I got to inconvenience my kids. I got to do this to be able to help you and bail you out. But the father did it. Guys, our God is not easily bothered. No, he wants you to run to him so that he can serve and help you. But you, what so many people do is they put themselves in a little penalty box like a field in hockey, right? You ever seen hockey? I've been to a couple games. This is what you do. You sin and like, oh, go, go on timeout. And you put yourself in spiritual timeout. You don't want to run to the Father. You don't want to get back on the ice because you broke a rule and you did it again. And now you have to suffer the penalty of what you just did. And your flesh will tell you, get in there. I can't believe you did that again. After all Jesus has done for you, how many times you ask and you keep on doing the same thing, get in. Time out. All right? Penalty box until you can pay, until you are sorry. No. 
Jesus paid the penalty of our sins, every single sin on the cross already. You don't need to be in the penalty box. You need to run to him, run to him. That is what we're called to do, guys. And I, I want to just encourage you as we end today with a statement, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed to run to the one who bore your shame on the cross. Do, I don't care how many times you did it again. You promised not to do it five minutes ago and you just did it again. Run to him. Who cares? Stop making excuses. Don't put yourself in the penalty box. For what reason? He paid the penalty of your sin. Do not be ashamed to run to the only one who can remove that shame. And he bore that shame on the cross. So it doesn't matter, guys, if it's a midnight emergency or your noonday delight. Run to Jesus. Run to him. Don't stop pursuing him, praying Continue because the more persistent we are in pursuing Christ, the more we've discovered the purpose of prayer. And the purpose of prayer was to be transformed by the one we pray to. That is the thing that we need most. And the more we persist in it, that is how it pays off when we see who our God is. And he continues to shape and mold us. Because he is, what did I say? He is a merciful, gracious, wise king who happens to be not only your deliverer, but he's your dad. He is your father who will supply all of your needs according to the riches of his glory. He has enough for all of us. So run to him now.